What's up, guys? It's Eddie Laughlin, co-founder of Shotgun House Coffee Roasters, and you're listening to Building Something Out of Nothing, a small business podcast right here in San Antonio. Today's guest is my good friend and the always busy Harrison Civic, and we sat down over a few beers and talked about his longtime project, San Antonio Beer Magazine, and his new pop-up series, Phantom Kitchen. Enjoy. What's up, man? What's up? Sitting here with Harrison Civic. We're over here at Faust drinking some Lone Stars in the 107 degree San Antonio heat. Going to chat a little bit about SA Beer Magazine, something that he founded, what, three years ago? Something like that? Technically about three and a half years ago. Cool. It took some time to actually find out how to run a magazine when you have no background in it. A print cut publication yeah. when you've never done it before, yeah. And but, no one else is doing it because it's 2019. But I mean, y'all are kind of killing it. I mean, we used to see it at Add a Girl for the first time uh, back before I even knew you. And then a little bit of background with me and Harrison. So he's been an OG shotgun supporter for what, two years now since we were doing the pop-ups at our mm-hmm. house back in 2017. Helped carry the coffee roaster into a uh, Warehouse 5. Oh, dude, yeah, we'll get all to all that. But uh, we were setting up pop-ups at our house, plastic table, doing some pour-overs, doing some batch brew cups, people walking to NOLA and add a girl and stuff like that. Uh, and I wanted some extra like local flavor to add to our table that people could grab, and I thought that'd be kind of cool. And I saw San Antonio Beer Magazine, Harrison actually, on uh, they were releasing their new edition at the time. This was two years ago, summer of 2017. And I didn't know the guy at all. I messaged him. They were doing an event at the Pearl. What's the that Pearl. place called? Uh, the Sporting District. The Sporting District, yeah. We've actually done a few releases there at this point. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're cool guys. Never and so, thought about that. Yeah, I, I messaged you and, and you were like, yeah, dude, I'll be down here with Mondo, who's also kind of co-founder, photographer. Yeah. And so I came down there, met you, met Mondo. You gave me some additions. I took them back uh, to the pop-up. We did the pop-up. I think you came to the next weekend's yeah. pop-up. And we ended, proceeded to drink some coffee. And then you invited like 10, 15 different friends, introduced them to our coffee. And then we just drank beer in my front yard for like two hours and talked and hung out and kind of got to know each other. Love at first sight. And then, yeah, man, it's kind of been ever since then. We brought the lease the space and brought the roaster there you and victor who you introduced me to that's a whole other aspect that shotgun would look nothing like it does now it wouldn't be the same company if you didn't introduce me to victor montez who we'll have on the podcast at some point but he helped me build out and design both shops so yeah harrison's been a huge supporter from day one and uh that's super cool but yeah back to san antonio beer magazine so we had already seen it at a girl before i met you like i said i had read it i thought it was cool the San Antonio beer scene obviously has been growing exponentially since what 2009 probably um, uh, yeah about 2008 2009 was definitely the uh, where the boom came with craft beer in general across the uh, country but specifically San Antonio you saw one or two breweries become like five or six within mm-hmm. a year so that was great so kind of tell me how San Antonio beer magazine got started uh, how the idea came about how you partnered up with Mondo and how y'all kind of split your roles a little bit in, in, in creating the magazine? Well, it all started in the 90s, specifically <laughs> 1992 when I was born. My dad actually was huge into craft beer, which in the 90s was super rare. And back then it was mainly like everyone was into imported beers from like Germany and stuff like that. Anything that was like an imported beer was considered like, ooh, fancy beer, you know? But uh, he, he helped a few restaurants launch and he was um, like managing a few kitchens in uh, front of house. And when they would bring in like any type of beer, he would kind of help build that list out. And a lot of that was not just German imports. It was things like 
Sierra Nevada and things that, you know, were the only craft breweries in America that you could kind of get back then. Newer beers that were interesting to, like, the American public. Because back then, oh, American yeah. beer was still seen as shit, basically. Yeah. So, and I mean, it was considered shit because uh, laws from, you know, prohibition that it extended into well into the late 70s. Like, you couldn't be a home brewer legally until, like, the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, we only had, like, you know, 20 years to catch up by the time he was doing that. Um, so, he was super into beer. So, I grew up only knowing nicer beer you know right I, I can't say that there was ever like a Bud Light or a Miller Light in the house but I do remember you know growing up my dad loved Guinness and Sierra Nevada Pale Ale and whenever you're a kid you know your dad or your uncle or your cool older brother's like here take a sip of this beer for the first time and you're like you know probably seven or eight and you're like oh this is gonna be the best thing ever I see dad drinking this all the time it must be phenomenal mm -hmm. and then you, <laughs> you taste the most bitter <laughs> thing ever and you're like why are you drinking this but that beer for me was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, and so I'm probably one of the uh, few and lucky in craft beer to say, like, the first beer I ever had was craft beer, and not only that, it's, like, one of the pivotal benchmarks of beer, and I was, like, eight. So, so I was about to say, that's super rare, because most of us, you know, in college or high school or whatever it is, we start drinking, and, like, for me, I started drinking Keystone Light yeah. and Natty Light and Natty Ice and things like that, and by the time I met you, I mean, you were several years younger than I was and yeah. I'd been drinking craft beer for a while but yeah you were like 25 24 at the time and already drinking just like better beer than I was and I thought that was kind of interesting and it started this beer magazine so yeah that makes a lot of sense that it kind of dates back to to that yeah I've always uh, considered myself I guess like an old soul mainly because of uh the fact that I'm now going on 27 and like a week or two still don't own a tv still don't own a computer still don't have wi-fi I run a print magazine. I'm, I don't know what year I'm living in. It's weird. But so whenever I was growing up, I never really like I was a skater kid. I was a punk. But I had this like, I don't know. I had this vision of myself as you you would know. I used to have like, you know, hair down to my belly button. You've seen the pictures. I've seen the photos. Yeah. And so uh, it was weird because I felt like it was like a, I was an imposter because I was like a skater punk. And then I all I listened to was like punk and death metal and like hardcore music. And but I wanted to get into like interior decorating. I wanted to get into wine. I wanted to get into cigars because I saw it in like other like worlds and you know it, older people doing it. And I was like, that's the coolest thing ever. But being a young punk, you, it's not. There was no like outlet for me like that. So eventually, by the time I'm like 16 or 17, I, I was like, you know what? It's time to kind of do this. And I start looking up how to homebrew. And I, I started with some uh, terrible homebrew kit that you can order from the internet it's like $30 but I'm like 17 or 16 years old in my like kitchen at my mom's house brewing beer and my mom's just like whatever like you're not doing drugs you're not like you know causing trouble you want to brew a beer to like drink it that's weird but okay and I think she um I think she remembered my dad trying to homebrew once like uh, when I was a kid and it just sitting there in the fridge because it turned out terribly but she was used to like yeah just do your crappy beer, whatever you're doing, you know? And so I start homebrewing by uh, 16, 17. And the funny thing is you can order anything off the internet. Uh, right. So I start ordering all this like homebrew stuff. And whenever you go to a homebrew store, you, you are technically supposed to be 21, but they don't question some guy coming in trying to brew a... Um, a pumpkin porter or a milk stout they immediately they immediately think you're, you're like an 21. adult like yeah. you're like well who else, why would a 17 or 18 year old be in here and uh i remember one time the the guy that ran the homebrew store was like oh you want to try some of this beer we brewed and i was like yeah 
And so he's like showing me some of their like homebrew that they had just done with like a, I guess like a few of the employees. And this guy comes in, he's like shopping. This guy definitely was older. And he was like, oh, do you want to sample this too? And the guy was like, yeah, of course. And he goes, you're 21, right? To the other guy. And I was like, oh, oh God, like, <laughs> don't question me. You know, I've got nothing. And so I continue to homebrew. I put out a bunch of terrible batches of beer. But then I start ordering, getting into beer trading online, going to uh, bars, craft beer bars underage, because much akin to the homebrew store, when you go into a beer bar and you're like a teenager, but you're like, oh, I love that beer and like the, the uh, you know, Centennial hops they use in that, and I like that like uh, barrel aged stout because they use like uh, four roses barrels. A bartender is not going to be like, this guy's underage. It's like this guy is full-fledged beer nerd again it's almost like a fake it till you make it but you weren't even faking it you knew what you were talking about yeah and so um funny enough that craft beer bar i used to always go to whenever i was uh, underage i ended up uh, spending my 21st birthday with all of them and i didn't tell them it was my birthday and then at one point someone was like oh it's my it was my birthday yesterday i was like oh it's my birthday today i'm 21 and all the employees that had known me for years like you're 21 now and i was like oh whoops uh Shouldn't well, have they, told can, you they, that. Can't, they can't do anything. No. They're the ones that are like, we should have been, you know, carting or doing something to make sure. Yeah, it's on them. Yeah, and at that point, it's like, what do you do? So somewhere around 18, my brother sees like, uh, my brothers are like eight or nine years older than me. So, and they, um, they're half brothers that mainly lived with their mom whenever I was in my teenage years. So I hadn't seen very often, but my brother was into cigars. He was into uh, beer and whiskey. And I guess he saw on Facebook or MySpace like that I was into it and doing that. And he's like, wait, you're into this? And I was like, yeah. He's like, we should hang out more. And I had never been close to my brother. Um, I have another brother as well. But mainly this brother I, like, you know, wasn't close with. And uh, his name is Alex. And so we start, like, homebrewing together. And uh, I still have a bunch of those bottles. I, I opened some up recently. They're not very good. Mm-hmm. But it was a bonding experience. I just remember my brother, like, opening up all these cool beers from, like, breweries like Freetail that were open. And... Uh, anything else that he had had and he was opening up another world to me because i can go buy bottles of beer usually when you buy beers to go at like a grocery store that's when they id you you know because the the person at the checkout line doesn't know doesn't care if you're like holding a bottle of an ipa they're just going to be like right where's your id so my brother starts like you know sharing like really good beer with me and opening uh opening up my world and my mom was like notices that i'm really getting into beer and I'd beg her, I was like, Mom, please, can you take me to the grocery store? They just released this beer. I need to get it. She's like, all right, sure. You know, you're not going out and partying. You're doing this. And so graduating high school, going to house parties and bringing, like, craft beer to them. And everyone's like, what the hell are you doing, man? I was like, it's good beer. Try it, guys. And I hope those people that I'm still really close with remember those days so they could be like, yeah, this guy's an OG beer mm-hmm. loser. So it all kind of began from there. And it kind of became a dark period for me with beer because San Antonio didn't have very much going on as far as, you know, I don't want to say the quality was bad, but it wasn't up to what I was tasting from all these other breweries. And so I started, like, really having a, um, I don't know, I, I was talking down on craft beer in San Antonio. I was laughing about it. And I was, you know, going to my 20s, early 20s, getting insanely rare beer, traveling the uh, country for, like, beer festivals with head, head brewers and owners of, like, major breweries and bars and restaurants. I was spoiled, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, had a lot of really close connections in the beer world everywhere. And so I would laugh coming back to bars here and be like, oh, you're drinking beer from San Antonio? You peasant. And I would get all these, like, crazy bottles in the mail, and I'd share them with my friends, and they all thought I was the coolest. They're like, how did you get this? Because you could only get it in those breweries, my, like, hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And one day, I'm at a bar, 
and this I, I, I brought all of this super baller beer and I was like yeah look how cool I am and I'm opening it and this other guy's like hey I brought a beer too do you mind if I open it and like share with y'all and I was like sure peasant open your <laughs> swill and he gives me this beer and I was like oh this is really good man and I was like wait where'd you get this and he was like oh it's from this brewery here in town and I was like I seriously this is where it all began I had this like revelation and I, I got mad at myself and I was like and it, I thought back to I, I was like have I been lost in all this local beer this whole time? What has happened over the past four years that I, you know, turned turned my uh, side away from San Antonio beer? And I kind of had this, like, you know, like, internal, like, thought, and it, like, kind of manifested over a month or two, like, what am I doing? Why have I, uh, why am I the problem, you know? I am the problem. I, I'm not trying to support local beer. So how do you grow something that you're not supporting, but you have expectations for, you know? You and, you, and you don't own a brewery. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no. So you need to figure out a way to kind of get the message out there and bring that. Because it really is, at this point, when there aren't that many craft brewers in San Antonio, it is a community. And if you can find someone else, it's like absolutely like a camaraderie. And you, you immediately feel like a kinship to someone if you find someone else that drinks like great beer like you do. Yeah, exactly. And um, it's wrong of me to laugh at a uh, community that I'm not trying to help, but expect more from them. I can't be like, oh, San Antonio beer sucks, but I'm not going to try and help that. You and know? the community that you're from, you're from San Antonio. Oh, yeah. So absolutely, you wanted to support that in any way you could. Yeah, and um, another part of it was, um, the, I, I kind of remember, and I still, I'm still guilty of this now, where I, I forget where I started. I forget my roots. And even though it's as silly as homebrewing with my brother, and it like, just like looking up to the uh, the people in the beer world and wishing I could do more because I was underage. I couldn't go everywhere. I couldn't do all of this. And just telling myself, like, oh, once I'm, like, once I'm old enough, I'll go to these breweries or I'll be like this and I'll do that. And I totally, like, forgot how, like, how much it meant to me when I was younger and why I started doing anything mm-hmm. like that. And so I became, like, the problem. And I had always wanted to be the good guy and I was the bad guy. So I had been toying around with the idea of a uh, something with coffee. You know, I, I think I've discussed it with you before. Maybe a coffee magazine. Well, that, well that's what the beer mag was going to originally be, right? Yeah, it was supposed to be a coffee magazine. And um, I I had been planning I had been planning it out. I just was like, oh, it'd be cool to run a coffee magazine. And one of my friends was like, oh, you know a lot about beer. Have you seen these other beer publications? We should start some kind of beer magazine. And I was like, oh, weird. I never thought about that. And this is around the time of my revelation where I was like, that might help. Like, what if we did, like, a local publication about beer? And that guy, you know, I kept trying to contact him again. He was a really good friend, but he's busy and working all the time. So I was like, hey, man, let's do this magazine we keep talking about. Let's do this thing. And then, like, he was like, yeah, I've been too busy, man. So I was like, well, guess I'm going to do it on my own. And so I started doing some research. And there's one thing that I'm really good about, and is if I put something out into the world publicly, I have to do it. I don't want to be, like, that guy where they're like, I don't want people to be like, Hey, what happened to that thing you kept being like really like proud about that never was talked about again? It's like, oh yeah. So I posted on uh, Facebook. I was like, does anyone know any graphic designers, photographers, and writers? And I started getting a lot of feedback, and I started getting uh, you know people reaching out. And I was like, well, now I got to do it. These people are expecting it. Oh yeah. Um, Once you put it out there, then it's yeah. like, man, I need to kind of step up and actually make this happen. So I I, I honestly can't even tell you how the first six months went went because I was just stumbling around trying. I was meeting with local brewers or like bartender uh, bar owners I knew and telling them the concept, having no background in it, but just being like, have my back, trust me. And they all did. And I, uh, to this day, the majority of those first advertisers from issue one are still in issue 10, uh, going on issue 10. And so it's, it's just crazy that they really did believe in me. 
and it worked and I'm glad I didn't fail <laughs> because they'd have been like well he did something so was, was Mondo and Jim Mondo Cruz uh, your photographer and what's his title he is the um, editor-in-chief and photographer and your title is creative director and uh, that's mainly a founder so was he involved with the, the first issue or did you kind of put that out by yourself I put it all out by myself. I had all these concepts that I had written down, like, and I actually found some of those recently from like four years ago. And we've done a lot of those concepts, and I didn't even think about it. Like, you know, I never went back to my notes, and I was like, hey, I ended up doing all those like articles I had thought about doing. So one of the first things was doing like a uh, featured article on people in the beer community. And Mondo, whenever I knew him through um, Instagram, he lived in Houston or Austin at the time, I can't recall. Uh, but we, we met on Instagram and we we're like, oh, we're both into beer. It was like the heyday, the early days of um, Instagram where there wasn't a lot of people on it. There wasn't a lot of people talking about beer and it was not the biggest beer time yet. You know, I would say we're almost there now. So back then it was a tight beer community on Instagram. And him and I just always talked about beer from his city and mine. And one day he ended up moving to San Antonio. And I was like, oh, cool. Mondo's going to live in San Antonio. He's a really good beer photographer. I should like, it was mainly like it's Instagram, like iPhone photos, but it was cool stuff. And he started getting a lot of followers. So I was like, we should write about Mondo. We should feature him in the first issue. And so if you go to issue one of the beer magazine, there's a write-up on Mondo, and we used his photography throughout the magazine as like a, hey, look at this like, you know, influential beer person. And here's their work throughout because uh, the magazine is and was always about the art community and like uh, all, everyone in the community. I wanted to tie everyone in wherever I could. So it was it was awesome. Mondo, I was all proud of it. Issue one comes out. I go pick it up and it was a, you know, a, if you see issue one, we were uh, called San Antonio Beer Zine and it was a very DIY zine. It was legit like haphazardly thrown together. What year was this, by the way? 2016 because I remember seeing San Antonio beer design yeah in Attagirl yeah uh, around 20 because we moved right next door to Attagirl in 2016 and I, before I met then. you and I remember seeing that there and being like oh this is interesting yeah and I sat there uh, like any craft beer kind of connoisseur does and I read the entire thing and I thought this is really really cool never did I know that I would end up meeting you and becoming friends but uh, unfortunately yeah, that's really interesting because I know exactly what you're talking about yeah and so uh, we do this write up on Mondo and all I know him as is like the guy from Instagram that just moved to San Antonio that's into beer and I thought he was cool we should work together or you know I should write about you so issue one comes out and I like proudly present it to him like ah look you're in this magazine I did some type of magazine this is weird and Mondo's like going through it and he's like oh this is cool man a lot of spelling errors and we can, we can like, make this production wise a lot better yeah and yeah. He, he was like he's like man there's a lot of uh, a lot of spelling errors and uh some kind of like you know things you should probably change a lot of like low quality uh photos not like low quality because they were bad photos but like you know the image quality like was really low res so Mondo was pauses and he's like do you know what I do for a living and I was like <laughs> no and he was like, I work in editing. I have my degree from uh, UT in rhetoric and writing. And I was like, oh. And he's like, I could do all of the editing as well. Turns out Mondo's a phenomenal, phenomenal writer and editor. And I just got super lucky because the two key components of a magazine, writing and photography, I just got lucky with instantly. And not just anyone, like a professional, professional. So it was a perfect pairing. Did, it was you, awesome. did you ask him to come on or did it just immediately kind of 
start happening. I think we saw the um, the public interest from the get-go, and I think he recognized that it probably wouldn't survive very long if it was just that low quality because the expectations would be low forever. And so he, he ended up just jumping on board with me and uh, running it, and we still have a lot of the same crew from the first issue, and it has been uh, ever-changing since, you know, since then. Um, has it changed? So I know I remember when I met you, you told me the actual physical size of the magazine. It's mm-hmm. a, so you can almost just grab it. It's easy to grab. It's not a full-page, no. full-size magazine, right. uh, and that was by design? Yeah, because we knew we were going to be dealing with a lot of bar tops and, like, small restaurants and breweries so we didn't want to take up real estate it's perfect for places like Attagirl and other bars like yeah. that where it can sit up on like where you're ordering the beer and yeah you can just kind of grab it yeah it's a five five and a half by eight and a half ish and um we started and it was like you know i had no money for it it was probably like a thousand dollar production and a lot of it was just for my own money and the few people that wanted to advertise with us out of pity and hope <laughs> and it was 32 pages it was printed on like really cheap paper and i would you know we kind of started seeing as our content started progressing, our writers were doing really well. Uh, Mondo was editing it to like a T. There was nothing missed. His photography was growing because now he has an outlet to even go further. And by issue four, we kind of realized it was too cartoonish. It was too DIY. We had a lot of new advertisers kind of partnering with us that were major. Like, you know, not that the other companies weren't, but these were like, you know, international or like international companies. And I was like, oh man, I don't want to keep putting out the same content that's kind of goofy and like if, if these lo-fi. people are partnering with you you want yeah. it to be a little bit more like a glossy kind of a professional publication yeah exactly and uh and also it was getting really hard to write about as many people as we wanted to on only 32 pages so we we uh oh uh, another part of it was our graphic designer that we had from the first issue one uh from issue one to issue three was in another state and okay. um we found a local artist that also was married to a brewer that we're really close with, uh, Alex Rutledge and her husband, Derek Rutledge, who works at Freetail. And she saw our publication and was like, hey, this is really great. I could do it maybe better. And I was like, okay. And I knew our uh, our previous designer was just kind of doing it part-time. It wasn't like her main thing. She had never designed a magazine, so I'm not going to fault her for that. We were all learning. And so we got really lucky and got paired with a wonderful designer. And uh, we started putting together a concept for issue five, which was a new year, so we put out four a year. Issue five was going to be a new year, and we're like, let's do it bigger. Let's go to uh, 52, was it 52 pages. Yeah, 52 pages. And change it from being called San Antonio Beer Design to SA Beer Magazine. She built out a custom logo for us, fonts, color schemes, everything. And it, it was really well curated as opposed to being all over the place. And issue five came out, and it was just crazy pretty. So I'm wondering, was this around the time that I met you in the summer of 2017, two years ago? It was because right we, around then. That was, we, we definitely, the one we distributed at our coffee pop-ups in our front yard definitely had the new logo. Yes, uh, it was issue six. I mean, it was the new, it was the format. I, I'm pretty sure that it is now, mm-hmm. to this day. And so I'm, that, that was issue six? That was issue six, because okay. I, I remember... Uh, so I met you right after all that the design changes took place. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, we started seeing this progression. We saw that, you know, we could do better and bigger, but we wanted to stick with the year format. We didn't want to have every issue look different or every, it's like, it'd be weird to be like, hey, this was like a a different size last issue and this size this issue and now it's a different uh, cover gloss and now it's like a matte paper. Consumers consumers want kind of, they want want to know what they're going to expect from the thing that they're consuming. And uh, we we did run into that issue once we transitioned from a new name. It was a rebranding. People still didn't know that it was us. I guess they 
thought some new publication about beer started. Like, right. And um, I guess, you know, you got to manage expectations. We could have done a better job transitioning. But So at this point, okay, so by the time I meet you, it's issue six. <clears throat> you and Mondo have partnered up. You have a, a legit graphic designer as well. Not and that I, our last one wasn't legit. So I know you do a lot of profiles on different breweries around yeah. San Antonio, but also Austin. You go to, like, Valentine, Texas, and Big Bend, and Mar- I mean, you kind of travel all over the place. Yeah. Um, is it you and Mondo that kind of go? You go to these events, you interview these people, you, I mean, have you just been developing relationships for the past three years? Yeah, pretty much. I always tell people that um, I can praise the look and the content of the magazine really well because I actually have nothing to do with it. I am solely the business side in a lot of ways. Yes, I have creative input and I want to like, I'll I'll mainly like choose out the articles or content we're going to do. We'll discuss it as a group and you know, I I usually have like a, a final say for the majority of the content. But the genuine look of the magazine is all of them. So my whole role is just networking and talking to people and going to places and doing it all in my free time. (laughs) So it's kind of cool. Obviously, like you said earlier, you are a craft beer connoisseur. You're a consumer of craft beer. You want to spread the the word. That's kind of the whole point of this magazine, kind of help building up the San Antonio craft beer scene. How is your knowledge of craft beer and, and meeting with these owners and master brewers? How has your knowledge evolved since you started the magazine? It's definitely, it, it's it's grown like tenfold, but um, it's kind of funny because now I've reverted back to primal beer. I, I just like lagers. I drink Lone Star. I have no qualms with that, but a lot of people would see it and be kind of like, oh, you run a beer magazine, you're drinking lagers all the time. What about this crazy bourbon barrel-aged stout? Right. And what about this like spontaneously fermented sour? I'm like, I already know about that. I was about to say, that. you're like, kind of like been there, done that. Been there, I've done been doing that. this for a long been time, doing yeah. it since I was like 21. I know I'm still young. But People don't like, expect was... it when they first meet you, yeah. but it's like, yeah, dude, I, I know. Yeah, I can uh, I can tango with the best of them. So it kind of just like uh, became, I, I just learned a lot, but I started growing more on the uh, business side of it and learning about the intricacies of breweries as far as how they actually ran it and why certain things went wrong or went right. And that was actually a little bit more fascinating to me because at that point, I definitely don't know everything in the world about beer. But I know enough at this point where I'm at a um, I'm at a I'm at a good level. So there was more to be had on the business side. So were people reaching out to you like, hey, we want to be in your magazine, or were you kind of reaching out to people and they were like, yeah, man, come down, hang out because they want to spread the word as well about yeah. the company and all, just craft beer in general throughout Texas. Were they receptive to you? Were they nice to you when you would come by and, t- and chat with them? And yeah, kind of what was that like? It, it was tough because we ha- we started seeing a super influx of uh, people reaching out. Our first four issues, we were only distributing about 3,500 copies to like 50 or 75 locations. Right. Then we jumped to 52 pages, and we took it a little bit more seriously and grew our distribution size to 7,500 copies. And um, our location size ended up uh, where we have it, we distribute it, was almost at like 150, 200 locations. Uh, so the more eyes meant a lot more contact from people and a lot more recognition as far as like wanting to meet with us. And there wasn't, you know, there's not a lot of people talking about craft beer in that depth in the area. So they definitely wanted to be a part of that, you know. It was great having so many people reach out. And I had to stop. I didn't have to do all of the work I previously had to do to be like, hey, look at us. We do this. It was them being like, hey, we see what you do. Write about us. Be a part of us. And it was like, ah, I have everyone pull me every which way. And then I have to start, like, choosing. And that was tough because, I mean, I'm still managing that where it's just Mondo and I, for the uh, most part, we still have. We have uh, contributors, great writers. We have uh, our graphic designer that's doing that. But for the most part, it's just Mondo and I doing all of the, I guess, uh, day-to-day. So we're just two people for the most part. So So distribution has grown. How, How many issues to date have you published? We are technically... At issue nine, we just put out issue nine a few months ago, but okay. we've do we've done two supplemental uh, prints 
for San Antonio Beer Week, which I started being involved with upon the inception of the magazine because I knew if I wanted to be a part of the beer scene here, the best way to get to um, the brewers in the community was through San Antonio Beer Week, which is uh, going on. It's on its own ninth year as well. This uh, coming week, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 15th. <laughs> Excited for that. And so I started doing all the San Antonio Beer Week stuff. And I started putting out supplemental prints about Beer Week in their little 32-page guide, similar to our first issue. So technically nine issues, nine and nine and two supplemental prints now. So from the beginning, you've been doing advertisements kind of to pay for the magazine, mm-hmm. right? And I'm assuming you probably had to put a little bit of your own income in it to, to begin with as a startup. Still um, and you're still, yeah, you're still doing that. It's a small publication, but every publication has, and I, I've noticed consistent advertisers. I mean, we've advertised mm-hmm. two or three times. You have major brewers here in San Antonio and Austin and places like that advertising. So is that how you make your money right now and, and pay for the magazine? Yeah, for the most part. Uh, again, I guess you can't put a price tag on all the uh, trips. Like we drove up to Driftwood this weekend to cover a beer festival, but we do that almost once every two or three weeks. Okay. Cover a festival in another city or drive around town putting out the prints. I, that's all of my own pocket for like gas and stuff like that. Yes, I could like you know put it on business expenses like that, but I try and keep all of our advertising prices as low as possible because at the end of the day, this is more of a passion project and it's harder to kind of like try and squeeze money out of it because I don't want to do that. And so it, it, it's all taken care of through the advertising as far as the print itself, the whole uh, product. But there's a lot more, I guess, that goes into that. There's a lot like more powers. behind the scenes that goes into it, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, back to some of these trips that you make out to brewers and beer festivals and things like that. You have places that you know you've been to several years now that you love going back to. Yep. You have certain breweries that you're just like, man, I love this brewery. It's so awesome. And and who have you developed relationships with? And what's what are some of your favorite places that you've been to throughout Texas? Um, it's always interesting because I have a lot of really good relationships with uh, breweries. But sometimes I have a really close relationship with the owner or the head brewers at a brewery, but I actually don't go there very often. Mm -hmm. But then I have breweries that I frequent every day, but I'm not super close with them personally. So I guess there are those relationships with these breweries that go beyond their establishment. But as far as just like my local haunts now... Roadmap Brewing, which is a very new uh, brewery here in San Antonio. I'm there a few times a week, and the owners are phenomenal. And they've actually came in, you know, came out swinging with San Antonio and really helping the uh, community. And Kunstler Brewing. Kunstler is fantastic. Roadmap is fantastic. I really yeah. love what they're doing. They're kind of in that weird interior part of Broadway that yeah. I think is just going to blow up oh, re- really sure. soon. So they really got in there, and they're doing great things over there. Great little beer hall. They have good food. Uh, they have bags, cornhole. Yeah, uh, it's fun. The whole brewery operation is on display. Obviously, there's free tail and all those guys around. Yeah, so you have great relationships with all of them, I assume. Yeah, and it's uh, it's really interesting. You were talking about going to like coverage and like breweries anywhere and everywhere. We've actually started getting a lot of recognition from companies outside of Texas, and I've gone to Chicago to cover beer events now, and uh, we we get kind of like, you know, some uh, harsh feedback from local breweries when they see us covering, like, things that aren't San Antonio, but um, we've actually always, since inception, and even if you find our older posts, talked about that this is San Antonio Beer Magazine, talking about anything and everything that touches san antonio if it is a beer from delaware that gets distributed here right that is san antonio beer they're highlighting for the print will always be local breweries you know in the surrounding area san antonio greater area but we we will cover anything that is san antonio relevant because that's what helps the beer scene grow overall so we got we get to go cover a bunch of uh, events in other states and we have connections with a lot of those people but then when they come to San Antonio, they partner with us to kind of see what San Antonio is about. So it's a win-win for us. And they get to go back to their home state and tell people like, hey, did you know in San Antonio that they're doing this? 
and so that's that's great. And we set out to only be a print publication until we were ready to launch a website because we wanted to first be established as a print magazine. And then once we had that, we could justify starting a website because it was like, look, we can survive just print. We didn't have to have like a website promoting this, that, or the other kind of, you know, as a crutch. So we actually just ended up launching the website a year ago, and it's been perfect for if we don't have time before in between issues, I can actually go write about a brewery or a bar or an event and just throw it on the website instantly. So there's always content being put out there that people can be a part of, and there's more opportunities for businesses, but we'll always have that print as our you know, our trophy. And I, and I know that San Antonio Beer Magazine obviously is a San Antonio publication. You talk about other breweries, like you said, and other great beers around the country. Is this a publication that you want to focus in the future just on San Antonio? Did it start that way and you want to expand to where you can go a little bit more national? Uh, what are your thoughts for the future of the magazine and the concept? I can guarantee that we'll always have a San Antonio beer magazine, at least for a good while. But I definitely want to kind of start up an auxiliary magazine of some sort that kind of focuses on a bigger picture. Even that might not even be just beer. We get kind of tied down with the beer part of it. And I get it, we have to manage expectations from our readers. So if it says San Antonio Beer Magazine and I'm writing about a restaurant here in town that makes handmade from scratch food, I see it as like, well, that's relevant. That's, you know, in the realm of craft. Like we're all about like locally made or well-made product that aren't just mass produced. So we'll cover that sometimes and people don't get it. They're like, why are you writing about that? I'm like, that doesn't make sense to you. You know, why would we write about Shotgun House Coffee Roasters? Because they're doing a local business that's handcrafted. And, uh, you know, they're doing the same thing as beer, but just in a different industry. So, yeah, it makes sense. We're trying to kind of navigate that water, and we usually use that kind of content for the uh, website. It's kind of building a portfolio that, in case we do launch something else, we're not just trying to launch something and be like, oh, we can write about cocktails, we can write about food. And people are like, no, you've only written about beer. It's like, no, look at this. We have this to back it up. Hopefully, and hopefully very soon, within like the next six months to a year, there will be something bigger. But the beer magazine will be constant because now it's on, it's on its legs, it's stable. That's awesome. Let's go back to San Antonio Beer Week. That's happening this coming week. Every single year, different brewers in San Antonio kind of get together. They create a beer, like a collaboration beer, correct? You're going to be releasing it and actually giving it to us for our Thursday night throwdown. Our, our latte art throwdown that's happening this coming Thursday. Yep. And we're going to have a keg of that. Tell me about that beer a little bit. It's going to be, y'all are, y'all are going to get the first keg and the first taste of it out of anyone in the city. Awesome. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that, but uh, if it turns out bad, uh, that's not on me. I'm just kidding. Uh, this year we're doing a dry hop pilsner. It's kind of like the perfect beer for summertime and a perfect blend for the community where San Antonio Beer Week is for anyone and everyone. So you have your craft beer veterans that want to expect a really fine made beer that's kind of unique and interesting. But you also want to please people that maybe drink Lone Star that want to know a little bit more about beer. Exactly. So a dry hop pilsner is the best of both An worlds. introductory beer. I mean, that's all anything is, whether you're trying to introduce people to craft coffee craft beer, craft cocktails, yeah. an introductory drink is always fantastic for something like that because it brings in just the masses. And Correct. San Antonio is such a large city, and I would say probably. I mean, this is a very traditional city, and yep. in a lot of ways, it's still, I mean, our craft beer scene is still small, and it still has so much room to grow. I mean, what y'all are doing, and, and for the, the scene in general, even just in the th- you know three, four years that we've been living here, I've noticed a huge expansion in that scene, and and obviously your publication has been a huge help with that. Let me uh, piggyback off of that real quick. Um, One thing that I am trying to refuse doing as far as the beer magazine is, you know, obviously there's those beers that uh, can please both everyone in the community, regardless of whether you're into craft or not. 
but I do not like the term gateway because that can be confusing to people because uh, you don't have gateway hamburgers. You don't have a gateway coffee. It's just it's a good just, beer, just, not a good beer. Yeah, exactly. And it's either, it, you don't need like some, you don't need something to like get you into the scene. It's not just like a, that's it, that's it, I'm into craft. Um, and also, I've stopped using the word craft beer in almost every every print we're going to do forward. And I think even this print, we don't say craft beer. And the website, we don't say craft beer. Interesting. Because our whole goal was to progress the beer scene. So at what point do we have to stop calling it craft beer? And it becomes beer. It's the norm. It's insane the amount of people that are drinking craft beer. It's insane the uh, bars that carry it now. I mean, we're at a dive bar on St. Mary's that probably pays their bills on Lone Star and Shots. Right. But they have a great craft beer selection there. They have bombers of uh, Berliner Weisses and stuff like that. Like, they have good beer. So we can we can stop calling it craft beer eventually, I think. And it's just beer. That's how we'll know we made it. So if someone wants to find the magazine, I'm sure they've seen it at different bars around town. I mean, you're all over the city, and you're still distributing by hand, right? Yep. It's you and Mondo doing it. That's why I bought my uh, my mom car, my mid-sized SUV, just to uh, distro more magazines. So where where can they find the magazine if somebody wants to see it? The Beer Week issue, when that comes out, where can they find that? We do a lot of uh, distribution, obviously, to breweries and any type of uh, bar or restaurant that predominantly craft or like handmade or locally sourced food. But the San Antonio Visitor Center is one of our biggest movers. I, they actually reached out to us and they're like, why aren't we carrying this? We want anyone that's navigating the city to have a source for any type of food or drink. So beer is perfect. So that's been a, a really good mover for us. So if somebody wants to advertise with you, if they want to be involved with the magazine in any way, how can they contact you, get a hold of you so that y'all can kind of collaborate? Definitely reach out to info at sabeermag.com. That's San Antonio Beer Magazine, but you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades type of guy. You're always moving, you're always shaking, you're always doing something about, and you can get more into the history, but about a year, year and a half ago, you started Phantom Kitchen. Yep. You've done multiple events, including one at our warehouse location that was a huge success. That was awesome. Uh, You've done one at Adagirl, you've done one at Dorchel. I've been to every single one of those. Mm -hmm. Very, very fun. Why don't you tell people about that? Because I think it's almost like a secret, and if they're not on your mailing list, they don't know about this stuff, and give people an opportunity to get involved with this. Yeah, so Phantom Kitchen actually started because I was tired of being introduced everywhere in town as the beer guy. I did not want to be just a beer person because I saw bigger things on the horizon for goals and ambition. I mean, just kind of like the uh, the coffee magazine. Right. Obviously, beer wasn't my first thought for that, so I have other interests and hobbies, but you can easily get... You can be pigeonholed. Yeah, pigeonholed. And I didn't want to be the beer guy to everyone. I kind of like at this point that people are like, oh, that's the pop-up restaurant guy, that's the cocktail guy, that's the coffee guy. You always like the new thing. Yeah. You're recognized by your new thing, you know you're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. Phantom Kitchen was my way to expand beyond the beer scene and also bring uh, bring the community back together in another realm while having fun with it. So Phantom Kitchen is a pop-up series where we rotate different chefs, artists that do our uh, branding or posters and flyers for the event, and establishments. And it's kind of fun because we don't actually work with any of the same people twice. It kind of gives it you know new life every time we do it. And it's named Phantom Kitchen, F-A-N-T-O-M, but it's Phantom Kitchen because you never know where it's going to appear. It doesn't have a set place or time or location. And they need to be a part of your mailing list to get information on that and get first access tickets and things like that, correct? Correct. So you had one at Adagirl. Who was the chef for that? How did that go? When I was there, it was completely packed. Adagirl's a popular yeah. bar, and it was absolutely packed. Who was the chef for that? And tell me about that event, and then I also want you to tell about the shotgun event because that was very, very different as well. So the first event we ever did... I knew that my best bet was to tie in beer in some way because I could kind of cross over those worlds. So I used a new chef that Freetail, the brew pub off of 1604, hired Chef Brian, and she kind of uh, was the perfect 
launch for that because she she was in beer, but she also was a food person. She was a chef, and we got to bring both worlds together because Atta Girl is known for their food, but also their amazing beer selection. It, it was like a it was just a natural fit. So we we kind of launched it during beer week of whatever year so, that was. So it was a year ago. Yeah, no, it was two years ago. No way, that was two, two years, years ago. At Atta Girl? Yeah. That was two years ago? Yeah, it was April of 2017. Oh my goodness, I can't believe that. I had to, so work a day job, I do a nine to five, Monday through Friday, doing analytics. So juggling all of this, a print publication that's uh, distributed to 75, or 200 locations, 7,500 prints. Hand distributed. Hand distributed. <laughs> We're going on like a hundred page magazine and running a website and then trying to launch a new food pop-up. I really had to use my time wisely. I didn't. I don't get to do it as often as I'd like, but we're putting out Phantom Kitchen events every four to five months, and we did the Adagirl pop-up. We did like a small, like, personal thing with a friend at his house. It was nothing major, but... I considered it considered it a Phantom Kitchen event because it's part of the community. We ended up doing a second event at Dorchel Distilling. We have an audience now. Working with a chef, Conrado, that was working at Clementine, a new up-and-coming restaurant. And that was a great that was oh. a great one as well. We were at that. Yeah, that was definitely a learning experience. Street tacos. But, yeah, your burners went out for a little Every, bit. Was, I remember chefs running around trying to find. And they actually borrowed a... Il Forno. Yeah, from Il Forno. They borrowed a burner that they could keep doing the tacos. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, and it was exactly what the uh, Phantom Kitchen concept is is community. Anyone and everyone from their uh, their connections being a part of it and it's meant to kind of grow the culinary scene here. Not that I'm going to do it all on my own but I just want to be a piece of that puzzle and they Il Forno saved the day but we got to do a really cool like taco pop up. It's fun doing Phantom Kitchen events because every one of them will be different and I really get a bunch of experience from every one of them because they are never the same. They, I don't are, get to, they are so different. So I that never one get to like refine street something. Street tacos, and people were able to order drinks from the bar at Dorchol, and they do obviously their distillery, and they have craft beer there as well. Mm-hmm. So that one was super cool at Dorchol, and then you did one at our warehouse at, at Shotgun House Roasters at Warehouse Five, and that one was craft, super craft cocktails. We're talking foie gras, very very fancy cocktails, blue a, cheese, blue cheese, blue cheese, oh, man. Uh, it, and, and stuff. You never thought would be in cocktails, but it worked really well. But it was that coupled with the board couple who does really fancy charcuterie. They had an entire table just filled with charcuterie, and it was kind of like raising charcuterie, which was a really cool concept, and that just was a huge hit. You sold you sold tickets to these, so you sold... That was our first private event, and it set the bar high at, like, you know, there were $65 tickets, and we wanted to have at least 75 people out there, and we sold out. And uh, Victor, who built out all the shotgun house locations, was itching to kind of do something with me, and funny enough, whenever um, I put you all in contact, Victor had been telling me, like, we got to do something together. We should start a bar. We should start a brewery. We were like, I want to I want to build something. I want to put something together. And I was like, I don't got anything, man. And then you were like, ah, I'm trying to find someone that could do that. And I was like, hey, Victor, I can't keep you uh, occupied with that. Here's someone that will. And so obviously Victor became a huge help for y'all. And he was perfect for working with Shotgun House, a place that he built, and then also building an event for me because he knew the space. So we made it. We, we transformed the warehouse, and we blacked out all of the walls with black curtains. We lit candles. We pretty much removed anything that was, like, coffee-related in a way and turned the, uh, the coffee bar into to an actual bar. And you made it to where it didn't look like Shotgun House. No, not at all. It was still the same warehouse space, but the walls, like you said, were blacked out. You couldn't even see the roaster. We had a 
professional bartender that you brought in from San Francisco, correct? Yeah. I mean, it was it was legit, dude. It was a lot of fun. We had people come from Temple, Texas. I mean, all over the state were coming. It was really, really cool. Oh, I, so we, had, we had so much fun at that. And I, and I got a, a little bit of a taste to see the type of undertaking that that is in the two hours that, you know, I, I went and helped you pick up some of the stuff in my yep. truck with Victor and just doing that for like half a day, I really got a sense of like, oh man, in addition to the beer magazine, in addition to his day job, he does this thing where each event is completely different. You never know. And that that is its own unique complication because you never know. You can't just recreate. You never yeah. know how it's going to go. Exactly. You, yeah, you never have like a formula for yep. success. And so everyone's a little bit different. And yeah, man, but it was a huge hit. A lot of fun. Those cocktails were fantastic. They and were the format amazing. for this was what? You got like three free drinks, I think. And, and you unlimited got to graze food. unlimited food. And that food was, at the end, we got to take home some charcuterie. Oh, yeah. It was, they they it was really, awesome, they, they rolled out the red carpet on that one. It was awesome. And uh, that one was surprisingly, between the Beer Magazine, Beer Week, Phantom Kitchen, I've probably put together and hosted over 50 events that was the first event that was probably the most complicated and didn't have any major issues i could not believe that that went off mainly without a hitch i let people in a little bit early i remember that yeah I'll never, that I'll never forgive you for that everybody, everybody walked in a little bit early but you got it handled in about five minutes oh we had the totally live cool. jazz band that was awesome oh we had a live jazz live band jazz over band. there by the roaster yeah. like the entrance door that was super cool oh that was fun so God, I missed that wh- event. what do you have plenty of anything planned for the next one yeah so um the again with phantom kitchen concept always changing and it's never gonna be the same thing twice i like that we did a private event that was super like you know fancy sophisticated if you will and our next event is during Beer Week, and it's at Paper Tiger. And we're doing a midweek party for Beer Week, and it's just going to be a bunch of bands, no cover. It's a free event, live bands, and we're going to be doing a bunch of local beers. There's going to be like eight or nine breweries setting up, and it's going to be a, a barbecue, just a barbecue plate event. And uh, that's, that's totally different than anything Phantom Kitchen's done. It kind of... Which is the point. Exactly. It's the point. And I love that people might be like, oh, what are we going to get today? A private cocktail event, a tacos at a distillery, or... A bunch of live bands and barbecue it's definitely perfect for us so how do people get on this email list if they want to know firsthand what's happening with phantom kitchen it's a fantastic date like if you want to bring a date seem like you're the coolest person in town because dude, you know about these low-key like you events. Were the coolest in town how do they get on this mailing list they can email me at info at phantom kitchen f-a-n-t-o-m kitchen common spelling dot com all right cool if you want to taste that new san antonio beer week collaboration come to our latte art throwdown it's going to be at our south floors location this coming thursday it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to have beer we're going to have food we're going to have coffee come hang out meet harrison talk to me whatever i'll be there is there anything else you want to plug anything else you've got on the horizon for the beer magazine or for phantom kitchen before we sign off i think the big thing that we're going to be doing next is SA Beer Magazine is kind of going into um, a new realm where our f- issue 9, the newest one, is 100 pages. It is incredible. I, I mean, I'm honestly baffled whenever I see it because it's never, it's nothing I ever expected we could put out. We actually blended digital photography and we also have film in there, film photography. So it's our first endeavor with film and digital photography. And our goal for issue 10 is completely film photography. Are you taking some of the photos? Yeah. I know you've been dabbling in film. It's uh, not yeah. just Mondo anymore. You're doing some photography as well. Exactly. And it, it's definitely going to be the most interesting and unique print we've done. And I'm really unsure how it'll go. But I mean, if you're going to run a craft beer print publication 
in 2019. Might as well take it a hipster step further and do only film. The cool thing about that one is we're launching that event at a, an art gallery that's actually going to have a bunch of our film photography for sale for like a, it's an installment for like three months. So we're, we're blending all the, uh, the worlds I've wanted to where it's cuisine, beer, cocktails, and now art. And it, it's really building up to be everything I'd, I'd hoped in all of the realms. So we'll see. Do you think it's finally hitting what you you want all these things to be or do you see I mean just years of creating and doing a new thing and I mean do you see San Antonio Beer Magazine going the long haul? Yeah it, it's definitely going to be a who knows what happens because it's you know I've met all of those goals even if they were like internal goals that I thought were silly we made it and having a great team behind us and learning as we go and having their input it's definitely just the beginning I uh, can't talk about some of it on record uh, but we're starting to get some really major sponsors for the magazine and for our other events and I'm kind of uh, excited to announce that so so people are taking notice yeah and there's actually websites and magazines that are world known that are actually reaching out to us and want to be a part of what we're doing we're gonna have to figure that out soon and go from there i'll tell you if i didn't know you and i didn't know who's behind san antonio beer magazine i wouldn't know that it was just (laughs) some dude who likes beer kind of create i mean because it's so much obviously that you've talked about and there's so much that goes into it it's a ton of hard work. You have a full-time job on top of it. You have a Phantom Kitchen on top of it. You have a girlfriend on top of it. I mean, it's just like so much going on. I've got is friends she, to hang she, out with. Is she cool with you just doing this nonstop? Yeah, I'm luckily dating a, the perfect partner where she has her own creative world. She's putting on workshops that are all like promoting local artists and all LGBTQ and women-based. So she's doing her own things and teaching me things every day. And she needs her space because she's busy. So it's a, it's a good balance. All right, man. Well, it was great to have you on the show. First good friend on the podcast. And, uh, you know, we might need to have you on as a regular guest, kind of hanging out. I'd like to have some I'll have some new stuff. Don't worry. But, yeah, come to the Throwdown next week and uh, meet Harrison, meet me, meet Jessica, meet Victor. He'll be there. And uh, Victor. Victor. It's going to be great, man. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for coming by. Thanks for listening to Building Something Out of Nothing. If you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, you can email me at ed, that's ed6238, at gmail.com. As always, you can visit either one of our locations seven days a week. Our roastery and first location is over at Warehouse 5 at 1333 Buena Vista Street. And our second location that opened up just over two months ago is at 1010 South Flores Street in the vibrant neighborhood of Southtown. If you'd like to serve Shotgun House coffee roasters in your restaurant, cafe, or office, shoot us a quick email at orders at shotgunhouseroasters.com or contact me anytime at 254-913-9031. Our intro music is provided by the Delicate Boys from Austin, Texas. You can find this song and their entire album on Spotify. Thanks.